0: This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. As the Biden administration assumed power four and one half months ago, school choice advocates feared the worst. Both Congress and the presidency were in the hands of a political party, utterly opposed to school vouchers and increasingly intolerant of charter schools. Teacher unions were upping their anti-choice rhetoric while calculating the best way to spend billions of new federal education dollars. But today, school choice advocates are counting up one victory after another in state legislatures across the country. Montana lifted caps on charter schools. Nevada has upped its charter school support and expanded its tax credit program just a few days ago. Florida has broadened its many school choice programs and Arkansas, West Virginia, Kentucky have all added their innovations. But Indiana, a choice leader, has done a lot in the past and now has done some more it's lifted the income limits and increased the funding levels for the Indiana school choice scholarship program. So to discuss how and why school choice is advancing across the country I have with me on the education exchange representative Robert Baining the chair of the House Education Committee for the State of Indiana and author of of new legislation, expanding the scholarship program. So, Chairman Baining, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, uh, Chairman Baining, how many students are participating in this program and how much has it is it expanding under the new legislation?
1: Um, today about 35,000 students statewide are expanding, um, are eligible, are in the program. Um, we made dramatic changes to the program this year, though. We um first I first authored the first voucher bill in Indiana, that successful bill in 2011, and it was means tested. And to be initially eligible, you had to be at 100% of free and reduced lunch, which at that time was about $40,000 for a family of four. Um, You could have eligibility in the program up to 150%, um, but at that point in time, you opted out of the program. Uh, What we did this year is actually lifted that cap. Um, we lifted the cap to three hundred percent free and reduced lunch. So that means approximately almost one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars for a family of four or less have availability to uh, schools choice scholarship in Indiana. One of the other um, caveats to what we did this year is when the bill was passed in two thousand eleven, we had um, had a graduated distribution of resources. So if you were between 100 and 149 percent of free and lunch, you got 90 percent of the state general fund was available for you to take, whatever school you chose to take it to. And then if you were at 150 to um, 150 out yeah, to um, 200, you got 50 uh, percent. Uh, what we did this year is we walked away from all of the um, tiering of funding. So. If you in Indiana, if you make under $145,000 approximately for a family of four, you get 90% of the state general fund to take and go to whatever school um, is a school, choice school, whatever best meets the needs of your child.
0: Well, is there any limit on the appropriations for this? Or, no. Or as or or no. many any students who are eligible and want to do it and can find a place to go, they get the resources?
1: Correct. There's absolutely no caps. We have never had caps on. Well, I take that back. We had caps the first year of the voucher program on the number of um, recipients. There have never been a financial cap. Um, our um, Choice Scholarship Fund. Uh, program actually runs inside of our um, funding formula. So it's there's no separate line for it. It's just part of the school funding formula for all schools in the state of Indiana.
0: Well, this uh, sounds great, but now the Democrats in Indiana are making uh, complaints about this being too much. Uh, that families who make $145,000 a year don't need the money to send their children to a private school, and this is just helping the rich at the expense of the poor. How, how do you respond to that concern?
1: Well, I mean, frankly, that came up in some of the debates. Uh, one of the things I reflect back to them frequently during those debates was uh, the, as you opened up, President Biden uh, is now President of the United States, Joe Biden, and Um, He has said in terms of a stimulus um, package that if you make less than $150,000, you are middle-income Americans and you deserve a stimulus check. And I would argue that if the president and president of your party, their party, so to speak, um, argues that that is for middle-income Americans, that Americans, that is what we are doing in Indiana is just implementing policy that he has advocated for. I, I would also argue for choice. To really, I believe choice to be successful is we need to have more opportunities for kids across the state. It cannot be just in urban centers. It can't be just for kids of poverty, failing schools. I, I, you need a robust choice environment to lift up everyone. Um, I think if you would reflect back and think of when we had uh, AT&T as the only phone provider, you know, we had those old phones with this rotary dials and. You know, it was the only option in town. Today, look at, you know, once that got deregulated and we have true choice, look at all the options. And we have, you know, electronic devices, we have um, um, internet protocols, we (laughs) have Zooms, we have, you know, whatever. And, you know, think of the proliferation and what's happened. And in Indiana, our statistics have actually validated since 2011, academic performance has improved across the board in traditional public schools, charters,
0: and vouchers. Well, so now this new legislation, as you said, uh, is not going to cover 90% of the cost of the tuition at a private school. Uh, So um, yeah. Paul, if I can interject, it covers it's
1: 90% of the state general fund appropriation. So um, it will cover 100% of the cost. Um, Plus, in Indiana, we have um, SGO, Scholarship Granting organizations. So if there's gaps there, the state also um, Gives individuals who contribute to an SGO fifty percent tax credit against their tax liability, and we raised the cap this year to, of that program to fifteen million dollars. So that generates an additional thirty million dollars. So if you were coming from a school district um, including complexity where you were pulling down nine thousand dollars on that ninety percent, and you were going to a high school that's going to cost twelve you could the high school either could offer you that at that price and give you a discount, or they could leverage money from the SGO to supplement. So there's multiple ways you can pull that together, but it's 90% of the state general fund. Um, and the, one of the things that has worked very well in Indiana and has made this work so easily is that 100% of our schools are funded by of the general fund dollars come from state revenue. We are not a state that uses property taxes to fund general fund expenditures in schools. Now they can run referendums, that adds supplements to it, but their base general fund revenue comes from the state of Indiana. So it's a foundation that's flat across the state.
0: I see, so this is true uh, all across the state. Now, are, are there new private schools uh, opening up or uh, what's the limit on the number of private school placements available to students?
1: Well, I mean, I think we still estimate we probably have 12 to 15,000 seats available. Um, I know that there's today at State Board of Ed meeting this morning at 9 a.m. State Board approved um, another um, uh, non-public school that wants to be a voucher. Uh, We've made entry into the um, choice program relatively easy. Uh, And we also have under the there's no prohibition from today from it being a virtual program or a brick and mortar program. So um, today at State Board, they approved a virtual voucher program conceptually that will be available. So I think we're gonna see a a growth of choice schools in the state of Indiana now that there's more funds available. I know I've received a lot of letters and uh, emails from individuals who have interest in expanding and making more options available for kids. We also, Paul also had an ESA program. Part of this whole bill was not just choice expansion. We also created an ESA uh, for uh, special ed that was included in that. And that did have a fiscal cap on it, but uh, it is uh, kind of our first entry into education scholarship accounts.
0: Yes, well, this is an exciting development too. a lot of states are providing new opportunities for children who are disabled and being uh, the father of a disabled child. I always am excited when those opportunities are opening up for people. So that's a that's a great new venture there. On the other hand, there's no mention of charter schools in the legislation. Uh, what, what's the charter school situation in uh, in Indiana and, and why was that not expanded at the same time?
1: Well, we have no caps on charters. So, charters, um, we have multiple authorizers. I think we're the only state in the union that allows the, a mayor of a city to authorize. So, the mayor of Indianapolis is an authorizer. We have a state uh, charter board. We've allowed our public universities to uh, charter. So, we have Ball State University as a charter authorizer. We've also allowed our non public universities to uh, become authorizers. So, we have Trine, Grace College. Um, that are um, authorizers. We actually have had, um, and one of the dilemmas you know, in the charter sector has been um, facility funding because they get general fund dollars, all traditional public schools get all their general fund dollars from the state, but their debt service capital projects and transportation comes from property tax dollars. We um, didn't, it's not mentioned legislation, but actually we increased the, what we, um, Give to charter schools on a per student basis for it's a facility grant fund. Uh, we increased it from $750 per student to $1,000 in year one of the biennium and $1,250 in year two. So we significantly increased their um, facility funding as well. But we have no caps on charters. Um, you know, charters can. Uh, proliferate the the one issue we've always heard which is somewhat similar in a lot of states is facility dollars so we're attempting to find better ways to meet those demands and that's why this additional money is available this year as well
0: well a lot of people say though this all sounds good but how about the kids being left behind in the in the uh, public schools aren't, aren't you uh, rating the public schools of their best students aren't Aren't there extra resources that they need now being lost to the program? How do you respond to those criticisms, Chairman Baining?
1: Well, first off, I would say when choice really works, as I said earlier, I think it uplifts everyone, and our data kind of has proven that. In the Indianapolis is probably the community in our state that has the most choice options. They have the most charters per capita, uh, and we've created other options for them. We have you know traditional charter schools or legacy charters we've created another option called innovation network charters which are charters that are located within a um, traditional schools buildings Um, we created innovation network schools Uh, what's happened in ips is probably a good example is they have embraced competition and actually academic performance has overall actually increased Um, And when it comes to resources, the other thing I would argue is in in Indiana, because of our Choice Scholarship, for instance, I said 90%, which means that that 10% that was appropriate for that child stays in our funding formula. And all those property tax dollars, which pay for debt service capital project and transportation, stays in that traditional public school. So, you know, technically, you are actually leveraging more dollars per pupil when a parent chooses to put their son or daughter or child into a choice scholarship um, charters it's there's not they still don't the uh, uh, property tax dollars don't follow so they still appreciate that but overall i would I would argue that that's not the case and when you get you know robust competition you'll find that um, it has uplifted everyone's performance
0: so it is a major expansion there there's no doubt about it how did you get the republican party pretty much consolidated behind this because a lot of republicans come from rural areas they they i can, i grew up in a small town and i remember that this was the basketball team the football team the band the orchestra every you know everybody was enthusiastic about their local public school so uh, are, they, are are the rural uh, legislators that enthusiastic about the choice program?
1: I would say there probably is a little bit less um, enthusiasm, but I also think it takes leadership. And we've had some great um, leaders over the years that have helped um, kind of paint the picture or the vision. And I, I, I guess I don't think it's, it shouldn't be about either or, but both. So you're not necessarily tearing down a, you know, nutrition public schools, or um, you know, in in when you increase choice, you're actually uplifting everyone, and so it's all about improving everybody's opportunity. And the flip side to that would be too, Paul. I would argue is that um, most of your choice occurs in urban centers. So uh, when we originally started the choice program, uh, and ninety percent of the money stayed into the program, there was actually savings generated that the. Traditional public schools appreciate it because as as I if I take my kids out of a traditional public school, that 10% get left got left into the formula and was redistributed to other schools. So um, it was kind of a win-win. And uh, you know, it's been a concept that honestly, the Republicans we when we started in '11, it has been uh, something, especially in the House, has been firmly um, supported. Over the last decade, and this year uh, was no different. It, has, you know, was uh, it helps having super majorities too because it gives you a little bit more of a cushion. But we still had uh, solid majorities supporting the not all Republicans, but solid majorities supporting choice.
0: Well, the other side of that coin is the choice is really available in cities more than anywhere else. And the demand is greater among minority families than any other families in our polling. Uh, so I don't quite understand why Democrats are so solidly against uh, giving opportunities, especially to low income students and uh, and students who uh, are attending uh, schools that uh, aren't performing. So. I
1: would argue, Paul, that that's probably a better reflection of their allegiance to the unions and the union power that has kind of um, aligned, or they've aligned with the Democrat Party. And that's, I truly understand. It's, I think your argument's is very valid. I do think COVID has had, you know, you your opening remarks about choice expanding. I was recently talking to a Democrat colleague of mine in a state near you. Um, who um, was telling me about how so many of the unions had kept this school, their traditional public schools closed and that parents had actually found a proliferation or communities of proliferation of parents choosing um, non-public schools and um, how a lot of parents may not go back to those uh, traditional public schools once those uh, opportunities for face-to-face instructions come back because the non-public schools, in many cases, were the ones where parents could have kids could still have that face-to-face instruction. I've heard that, you know, in many communities across our country.
0: Well, you you mentioned COVID. I I I hadn't brought that up, but I, I probably should have. Do you think this was the game changer, the thing that really made it possible, and in, in states across the country to move forward this year, and was new school choice initiatives? I think it across the country it
1: could you know could be a major factor in indiana i think we looked at this as an opportunity uh we have a uh, you know kind of a once in a decade opportunity to kind of take some major um, opportunities for expansion of initiatives and when you look at the fact when we started in 11 it was mitch daniels second term as governor and um it happens to be Eric Holcomb's second term as governor. So it's an incumbent governor who has the ability to be um, governed a little bit differently when you're uh, not up for that reelection coming up. Although our polling data in Indiana, just as you alluded to in the opening, clearly shows that a majority of Hoosiers support choice, um, that they believe that parents should have a right to send their child to the school that Best their Cities. In fact, the largest choice option in Indiana isn't um, our private um, or our charters, it's public to public, because we have every choice option out there and almost 100,000 parents choose to send 100,000 kids, go to uh, traditional public schools outside of their traditional public school they're assigned to. So it's uh, a very popular option in the state of Indiana.
0: Well, you know, uh, Betsy DeVos, uh, the former US Secretary of Education in the Trump administration was severely criticized through almost the entire four years she held office. Uh if, and and the criticism was that she was a school choice advocate. She she didn't she didn't support the public schools. And 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 she really was pretty severely uh damaged as a public figure, I think. Uh but uh maybe maybe she deserves more credit do you think that she did create more interest in school choice by her constant advocacy during the course of uh, her time in office
1: i have a great deal of respect for betsy devos i've known betsy a long time um betsy is one of the people who i think is willing to put her money behind what she believes in it's easy for people to advocate spending other people's money for a program, but when you put your own money behind it, I think it really uh, shows your level of commitment. I think Betsy um, was criticized unfairly. Um, she was just looking at, and, and I, her focus, I think, was uplifting all kids and trying to meet those kids that are most at need and looking at urban centers where a lot of these kids are struggling and failing and you have them dropping out of high school, dropping out of school. Um, if school choice helps uplift them, then why not? You know, my question would be, why not? And I think that's really where uh, Betsy was. Uh, I think she was unfairly criticized, but, and I also, I don't think, but Betsy would tell you it has to be either or, but I think she was committed as well to uplifting all kids and making sure all kids had the opportunity for a
0: great teacher, great uh, school and, Ultimately, for success in life. So, do we have any good data on just what the impact of the program has been on kids' uh, education in Indiana? Are they more likely to graduate from high school? Are they doing better in college? It's been around for 10 years now. Do you have data that we do success- have? We do have
1: some data. I can't recite it off of my memory, but I'd be happy to get you data. Yeah, there's um, data out there in terms of grad rate. Um, obviously uh, academic performance and parental satisfaction as well. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into choice. And I would argue, parents don't always choose just for academics. Sometimes they choose for school safety, for the values that um, are embedded in a different program um, that more closely aligned to theirs. So, um, but we do have some data uh, now that we've had the program around and we'll continue to collect data to make that available.
0: So, what do you see as the path forward? Where, where, what's the next step? Uh, I I know you're consolidating uh, this uh, legislative victory and looking forward to imp- seeing it being implemented. But what do you see as the next step in the school choice? Movement? Well, I, mean, I, I we're looking.
1: I mean, ESAs were we we got into it um, relatively in a small way um, this this session, and it's limited to. Uh, like I said, special ed, and we do have it capped at $10 million. Um, I would say long-term though, we're looking at more options like ESAs. I think I think you're gonna find, and COVID I think has changed some of this, is that education um, really needs to be more adaptable and needs to be more um, personalized. And uh, an ESA gives parents the ability to do that. Um, you know, we I've long advocated that we should have uh, career tech ed, CTE, so parents can choose or students can choose the uh, career tech path that makes sense for them. Um, or yeah, so I think you'll see that we long term will look at ways that maybe it makes sense to try to um, increase the options as far as um, ESAs. Now, Indiana, we you know it's been one of those things. There's been a number of states who've looked at ESAs and done. A lot um, with our voucher program being so broad, ESAs are not. It's it's kind of like you almost have the same. You're doing the same thing only different ways. And so it's kind of, the difference with an ESA is in Indiana today is you don't have to enroll in a school. So you could actually buy services from multiple schools that best meet their needs. In fact, you can't be enrolled in a, a traditional public school and have ESAs. Uh, you can use your ESA and enroll in a non-public school, but um, it, so it's it's going to. I think that that would be the vision. I think as you move forward, is giving more options in terms of customization of what their education look, might look like in the future.
0: Well, thank you. I've been speaking with Robert Baining, uh, chair of the Education Committee of the House of Representatives for the state of Indiana. He's the author of recently enacted legislation enlarging the Indiana Choice Scholarship Program, as well as a special program for disabled students that will allow more families and increase the amount available to families if they uh, wish to attend a private school. So thank you, Chairman Baining, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. Always a pleasure. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new podcast released on the Education Exchange website every Monday at noon Eastern Time.